I'm not a bad person. I do lots of good. I volunteer at the local soup kitchen. I give money to some people that need it on the street. I send money to organizations to help children in Africa. I pray all the time. You know, the people at my church, they know how much I pray. And I fast regularly so that people come to me and ask me to pray for them. It's so sad that other people aren't as serious as I am to really be Christians and to do these things. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in the Wilkes-Barre and Wyoming Valley. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform at 10 a.m., every Sunday where these are uploaded and you will find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570 570- 362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Well, last time we were ending there in Matthew, the fifth chapter, and we are going to be moving on now to Matthew, the sixth chapter. And what we're going to be looking at here is doing or practicing your righteousness, practicing your righteousness. So in the in the first verse of Matthew chapter 6 we read Jesus saying beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven what is this practicing righteousness that this verse speaks about well it's doing good deeds and contextually in the chapter that we're looking at right now, these good deeds that they're speaking about is giving to the poor and giving to the needy, prayer and fasting. So three things contextually that's being talked about. But I think principally, it's whenever we're doing those things that are pleasing to God, good works. But three that Jesus is here dealing with, we realize the need of loving, as the Bible says, not just in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And another place in the Bible says, faith without works is dead. Our motivation or why we are doing what we're doing, it matters to God. And our motivation matters very highly in the heart of God. He wants to know why we're doing things, not just that we're doing it, because that was the problem with the Pharisees and the religious elite of Jesus' day. They were doing things outwardly, but there was gross problems inside of their hearts. So he says about practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen of them. He said to beware of that. So obviously, if we're going to be doing good deeds, we're going to be doing them in front of other people. It's not going to be that we do our good deeds in a closet somewhere, although there is times where that may happen. 
So it's obvious that if we're going to do righteous deeds, other people are most likely going to see them at some point or another. But the thing that Jesus is warning people about is doing these righteous deeds in order to be seen by other people. And this is the condemnation that comes from God. If your motivation uh, for doing righteous things is so that other people think well of you, you've already got your reward. There will be no reward from your Father in heaven if that's your motive for doing righteous deeds. This is the stench of hypocrisy in the Pharisees and religious elite that Jesus so vehemently opposed. The Christian, however, is looking for heavenly rewards. We're looking for the smile of God, and we want to see what Jesus says in order for us to receive God's approval and not men's approval. So, the second verse of Matthew 6, Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Past tense. So, when you give to the needy, that helps us to realize something. That very statement assumes that Christian people are going to be given, giving to needy people. That is part of the Christian religion. We're going to help people that are in need. That's the heart of a Christian. So that's a given. Jesus has no problem with us doing that. He has a problem with why or how we're doing it. He said, if you're, when you do that, when you give to the poor and needy, don't sound a trumpet before you. In other religions, there was a practice of blowing a trumpet uh, to gather the poor uh, so they'd blow the trumpet. The poor would come into wherever the trumpet was blown in order so that they would receive goods by people. So they did that publicly, and then the poor would come and gather together. However, if we look in Jewish history, there is no such practice that's recorded there of this happening with the Jews. So what is Jesus talking about? There was a box in the temple, and there was more than one, but there was a box that the Jews would have given their money into at the temple. I believe it, I, I read there was 13 of them, and the box was shaped like a trumpet. It was uh, thin at the top and then widened out at the bottom. It was so that you could put your money in and people couldn't take out of the box. It was what they had there. Uh, there were 13 different of these in what was called the court of the women in the temple, and that, that was a place where everybody was allowed and people could see what was going on. Each of these boxes were inscribed on the side and it informed whoever was giving uh, which box would go to what cause. So some of these boxes were for temple tax, some of them were for free will offerings, and some were for vows, and some were for other offerings that the law prescribed. Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and any of the common people that may have gotten caught up in all this, Jesus was rebuking them for making a show about people putting their money into these trumpet-shaped boxes out into the open for everyone to see. This is how Jesus could remark in another place in the Gospels where a widow came and he was watching people throw large sums of money into these boxes. And then he pulls his disciples aside and he says to them, do you see that lady over there? She put in two coins she throws them in there, and she gave more than everyone else. How did he know that? Well, because of where those boxes were set up in the temple, it was wide in everyone's view. You could see people giving and putting into these boxes, and Jesus had observed this lady putting in. That helps us to understand a little of the context of what's going on. 
So he said, don't sound the trumpet before you. Certainly don't be like these heathen nations that try and make a big show of giving to the poor and needy, but more particularly in the context of the Jew and their trumpet-shaped boxes, he says, don't you know, proverbially show off your good deeds by putting your money inside of these boxes. He said, don't do that uh, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. So the synagogues were like, like what our churches are now. Uh, the smaller places of worship. Synagogues were erected after the diaspora. That was when Babylonian captivity happened with the Jews and they were scattered throughout all the nations of the earth. And then they erected synagogues in order to preserve somewhat of the true worship of God. So that's where the synagogues came from. And then he says, don't do it in the synagogues or in the streets. And this is said not to be referring to uh, just the streets around Jerusalem because they didn't have... Uh, anything recorded in history where that was happening. But the, the streets that they're probably talking about are the passageways that were in the temple and the courtyard around the temple uh, where people would have walked in and out and through. It was a public area. So he said, don't do it in that way, in the synagogues and in the streets for everybody to see. Jesus was speaking against this awful ill of people giving for the sake of inflating their own pride. The word hypocrite here, or the word that's used for hypocrite here, is literally the actor or the pretender who's playing a part. It's not, they're not real, they're just acting. Jesus says, don't be an actor, be the real deal. If you're the real deal, you'll get your reward from heaven. There were places in the temple where you could give secretly, but many chose to give in a way that would show off. And that is what Jesus is condemning. Why are you giving? That's what Jesus wants us to answer as individuals. That's what he wanted the Pharisees and the Sadducees to answer to. Why are you giving? In what manner are you doing it? For what reason are you giving? And he is condemning that reason that is against God's reasons. The third verse, he says, so there's the wrong way to do it, but the third verse, but when you give to the needy. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What is he talking about with this left and right hand thing? So do not give so as to be showy even to your nearest relatives or acquaintances. It's really just like cutting all of the other motives out of the way. If we do it secretly, then it's all the more blessing and reward that's going to be coming from God above. So you are when you're giving, you are letting money leave your hands and go into the hands of God, and then God's going to manage it from there on out. So just give the money and then forget it. Don't think about it anymore. It's God's. It's always bothered me. I've gone into churches before, and you probably have seen it too. There's plaques that are on church windows uh, you know, below a window, donated by such and such a person. There's a plaque on the church pews, donated by such and such a person. I can understand it a little better if it says it's in memory of a certain person, but it really bothers me when I see it. it this was donated by such and such a person. It seems to me that that is going against the principle that Jesus is bringing up here. Why do I need, why won't people give money except they can get some sort of praise for it? That's the thing that bothers me so much. And I believe. That's kind of speaks to us where we are right now in our day. Don't do things like that. 
Does this mean, though, that if you can't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, certainly you don't want to let everybody know what you're doing, but even your closest relatives, does that mean that, you know, like your spouse, they shouldn't know what you're giving? I would say not always. I think you might run into troubles as a husband and a wife if you don't talk about your finances and where things are going. I don't say that every time you give, you've got to let your spouse know, but it would probably be a good thing for your marriage and trust between one another for you two to talk about those things. But he's saying, don't be showy. Don't be doing things so that other people can think well of you and think better of you than you really are. The fourth verse, do this. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father, that is God, who sees in secret, will reward you. So when your giving is done in secret, the only person that knows that is God. You've done it for him. You've done it for whoever it was, the person that was in need. These people are probably the only ones that most often should know. May God help us to do things for the right reason. That's what Jesus is after. And if we're Christians, that's what we also should be after. I want to be giving for the right reason. I want to be giving in a way that God is going to be pleased with me. The second thing that Jesus dealt with, he dealt with giving to the needy. Now, the second thing is praying. So Matthew 6, verse number 5, starting on prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Again, Jesus says when you pray, implying that if you're a Christian, you're going to pray. That's just normal. But he says, when you do that, Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the play actors. Don't be the pretender. Don't be the entertainer. Jesus has no desire for us to be in that way. He said, don't do that because of this. For they love something other than God. What they love is to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that others can see them doing it. Their their motive is, is spoiled. This reeks of an ill motive. Their affections aren't on God. Their affections are on themselves, on their pride. And so they're asking other people to look at them, see how spiritual they are, see their their wonderful pride. So he says what they do is they stand, they're in the synagogues and in the street corners. That's where they're doing their praying. The word for synagogue here, however, isn't, I'm talking about the original Greek word, isn't solely speaking of a place of worship, but more broadly speaking of a gathering of people. You can look that up in Strong's Concordance or Lexicons. It doesn't solely just mean a synagogue, a place of worship, but wherever there is a gathering of people. No doubt, Jesus definitely would have been teaching that you shouldn't you know, be praying in a synagogue or in a public place of worship in such a way so that your motive is that you're trying to gain other men's respect. You know, They think you're more spiritual because of your, your praying. He, he definitely is condemning that and doesn't want that in the church, but in any gathering, he doesn't want it to be happening. And then when it talks about the street corner, a little background may help us to understand this. The Jews had stated times of prayer, three times that we know of in scripture, 9 a.m., 
12 noon and 3 p.m. And you can read about that in the book of Acts and in other places. You know, it says that they were playing at the, at the first uh, time of prayer, the third hour, you know, something like that. There's, there's things mentioned there throughout the scriptures. Here, some of the Jews took great pride to be in a public place, out in a market maybe where there's gatherings of people. That what they tried to do is get themselves in an area so that when those uh, certain times of prayer came about, that they would be forced to have their time of prayer out in the open where everybody could see them. You can already tell their motive is off, and this is what Jesus is speaking about. They're immediately rewarded with the pride that they were longing for. They've already got the reward. They're barred from a reward that comes from God himself. They got their pride. They inflated themselves right then and there when they did it. I don't know if all Muslims uh, may do it for this reason, but I, I remember being in a hospital once and I saw at a certain time a lady pulled a rug out of her uh, carry bag or something and she put a skirt over her, uh, she was wearing jeans or something, she put her skirt over herself and then she bowed down right in the waiting room and went through her prayers, whatever those may have been at that time, I don't know. And I'm not saying this to be insulting. I'm just saying this, this kind of thing seemed to be what was going on with the Jews. And Jesus was saying, you are only praying because you want people to see you. I'm not saying that every Muslim person that does that has that motive in their heart, but I'm trying to give you an understanding kind of of maybe what the Jews saw. It didn't matter where they were. They dropped and prayed at those seated times, and they loved it when people were watching them because then people would look at them and think, wow, look at them. They're really devoted. They're great prayer people, and uh, Jesus was condemning that. So he says, don't do that in the synagogues and in the street corners. Verse 6, but when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So when you pray, here's what your motive should really be. He was just condemning what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of them had done on the street corners and the synagogues and their motives. He said, that's wrong. Forget about those people. If you're going to pray, Here's how you do it. Here's why you should do it, more importantly. You're having secret time with God because you love him or because you're seeking him and you want something of him. You don't care what anybody else in the world thinks. You're there for him and him alone or for your own needs. It's you and God alone. So here's what you do to help facilitate that. Go in your secret place and shut the door. You're shutting the door to the outside world so that you can focus on God alone. You're also shutting the door to the outside world so that others are not watching you, looking on, and saying, wow, what a pious person that is. Does that mean that you need to go find some room inside your house and shut a door and literally be inside of a closet? No, not necessarily. What you need to do is find some place where you feel like you can get alone with God, you can focus and concentrate on God, and where it's not going to be obvious to other people what you're doing. And I don't mean to say that if you're inside of your own home, obviously, you got wife, you got children, or you're living with your parents, or wherever it might be. Obviously, people are going to know in your own house if you're going to be praying or not at times. They may know that. 
But the problem or the, the point that Jesus is trying to make is you're not doing it so that they know you're praying. You're doing it because you want to spend time with me. Personally, I can't shut myself inside of a room all the time and have a good focus. There are times where I can do that. Oftentimes what I have to do is I've got to go walk somewhere. So I go find a trail maybe in the woods. Uh, I go find like there's railways that are around. I go walk on those and I go pray and I'm there. Uh, Occasionally I might run into somebody here or there, but nobody's watching me pray. I have to get out and be alone with God somewhere. So whatever that looks like for you, just make sure that's your motive. And if you've got to do it inside of a room, no big deal. Your motive is what Jesus is concerned about. So you are there to pray and to commune with God himself and seek his love and his approval. Verse seven, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Adam Clark has a quote by another man in his commentary that I found extremely helpful. Great length of prayer, which will of course involve much sameness and idle repetition, naturally creates fatigue and carelessness in the worshiper and seems to suppose ignorance or inattention in the deity, a fault against which our Lord more particularly wishes to secure them. So just spending a long time in prayer oftentimes makes it so that we're repeating some of the same things over and over again. And now meaning is starting to get lost somewhere in there. That's what this man is saying. Does that mean that you should never pray long? No. But if in your praying, you find that you're just repeating things over and over again, maybe your focus needs to rather be on your faith in God, trusting him that he's hearing you and he's going to answer rather than continuing to repeat things needlessly over and over again. I think this would speak in our culture, in our understanding, this would speak against praying the rosaries. It would speak against, you know, pray so many Hail Marys. It's meaningless. Even sometimes say the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. It's meaningless if you continue to just do that over and over again. God's not going to hear you any better because you keep praying like that. Uh, There's also a prayer in a Muslim prayer book of devotion that kind of illustrates what Jesus is talking against. This is literally one of their prayers. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. Oh living, oh immortal, oh living, oh immortal, oh living, oh immortal, oh living, oh immortal. O creator of the heavens and the earth, O creators of the heavens and the earth, O thou art endowed with majesty and authority, and so on and so forth, repeating and repeating and repeating. You can see how there's not much going on there. There's no spilling out of heart necessarily, and that is just repeating something. You know, I've heard many Christians, I've prayed with people at times, or I've just heard people pray, and it, they, they start praying and they say, oh, Father, please do such and such and hallelujah and this and this and hallelujah and this and this and hallelujah. And they just keep saying hallelujah over and over again. I believe some of the people are real with God and sincere, but I think these are some of the things which Jesus is speaking about. Don't just say vain repetitions over and over again. It doesn't do anything for you. I've heard people do that over and over again, and I was, I've been persuaded that that is not how we should do things. God wants me to have more of a childlike faith. So think of using, if, if you repeat things over and over again meaninglessly, uh, meaninglessly, think of using this same manner of communication with your neighbor or your friend. That would be ridiculous. They wouldn't want to listen to you anymore. Well, think about it the same. When you're praying, you're conversing and communicating with God. Just talk to God simply and sensibly. Verse eight, do not be like the Gentiles. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. 
So using vain repetitions shows that you do not know the God to whom you pray. Let your prayer be based on faith in the character of God and not how many times you can pray. I've skipped over what is known as the Lord's Prayer here. I want to deal with that at another time. So we're going to move on here to the issue of fasting that Jesus also brings up, skipping all the way down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Again, he says, when you fast. So Christians, you're going to fast. That's what Jesus is saying. It's understandable that some may have some health issues. So I'm not, I'm not trying to you know, put some condemnation on people. If you've got health reasons of why you can't fast, obviously do what's sensible and do what's right. But Christians will fast. The Jews of that time were guilty of hypocrisy in fasting. What happened would be they, they didn't comb their hair. They didn't wash their face. They didn't take care of their outer person. They looked disheveled. They looked like they were having a, a rough time. And they sometimes threw ashes on the top of their heads. And then after the ashes would come down over their face and they'd cry and, and have tear streaks going down their face and then not wash that off so everyone could see how pious they were, how they were weeping and crying. You know, it's fine, really, if you look disheveled and messed up or whatever in prayer. It's all fine if, the res if it's the result of a true deep grief in your soul. But God is not mocked. If this is just to put a show on, God's not pleased with it at all. The true place for somebody with deep grief to pour out their soul, that's in the secret place with God. I once, I once was uh, at a gathering with a lot of different people and the presence of God was so manifest in this gathering. It reduced a lot of people to tears they were under conviction for sin in their lives. There was a holy hush that fell on everybody. And it was like one of those times where you dare not move or speak because you didn't know what you should do. Well, while this was happening, I saw another person there who would say that they're a Christian, grab another who was under conviction with a false pretense of really being concerned over this person's soul and wanting to weep and to pray with them. They were there. It was like they were putting on the show. You could see it in their face. And I happened to know this person. I happened to know that they were fake and they weren't being real. And I could tell that the spirit of God was going to be grieved if that man could get away with playing the hypocrite and pretending like he really cared over this person's soul and was going to weep over them when he had in fact wronged this person. I stopped that person from dealing with this person and said, you should allow somebody else more qualified, somebody else that really knows how to help this person deal with them and not you yourself. And I believe more damage would have been done had I let that go. What am I saying? Don't just appear to be sad and under grief and all that. Jesus doesn't care about it. If it's real in your heart, that's fine. Verse 17, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So don't, don't disfigure yourself just so that you look like you're fasting. Take care of yourself like you normally would every day and bear that burden in secret in prayer and fasting before God, that your fasting, verse 18, may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So you're doing this so as to keep this burden secret between you and God does this speak against corporate times of fasting? No, it doesn't. There's plenty of other places in scripture where we see people calling a fast, praying and fasting together. That's not what's being talked about. It's getting the praise of men. If that's what you're doing, not right. Have your eyes single to please God and your whole soul will be filled with his light.
So, do you do good deeds pleasing to God? If so, why do you do them? Do you do them so that others will think you're good and spiritual? Or do you do them because your heart longs after God? Why do you give money? Is it because of compassion that you have for other people? Or do you want to be known for your generosity? Why do you pray? You appear to pray wonderful prayers at church, but do you have little uh, to no secret prayer life when you're at home? God knows you're faking. And people in your home, they know if you're faking too. Why do you pray? Why do you fast? Do you do it because it's healthy? Do you fast so that people think you're a real spiritual warrior? Or do you fast because your heart is burdened and you need to get close to God and get help from God, either for yourself or somebody else? If you found that you have transgressed these principles that Jesus has brought up before us and you're doing things for the wrong reason, your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me, set up a time so we can meet, and I want to help you and coach you to go further along in your spiritual journey and walk with God. Make sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can get more teaching and preaching to help you on your journey. You can also connect with others that are trying to go on this journey themselves. Also tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK. Tell your friends about social media as well. And above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen sa forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.